Everyone say today. Today is a brand new day. And I want to make a declaration this morning. I want to tell you this. Our whole series is Tell the World. And I, so I've come to tell you this this morning. And I want everyone to listen. You were born to fulfill a God-given agenda. That's why you were born, okay? You weren't born to just exist. You weren't born to live some mundane life. You weren't even born to make money. You were born to fulfill a God-given agenda. And so, taking that a step further, he didn't just breathe life into your body, but he also equipped us. You were born for an agenda, a divine agenda, but you've also been given the tools and ability to accomplish the task. Amen? Do you know that? Anybody know that God has equipped us? He has empowered us? And the reason I know this is because it distinctively tells me that throughout Scripture. I read about men that were born to do a certain thing, men that were born to be this, to do that in God's kingdom. The thing is, there comes a point where we need to ask ourselves, am I doing what I was born to do? Amen. I look at, I look at the life of John the Baptist. John the Baptist was born to tell the world about Jesus, right? He's the one. He's the man that was born six months uh, before Christ was born, his cousin. And he was born to tell the world that Jesus was coming. He was born. His purpose, his agenda was to declare the coming of the Lord, to declare that the Lord was coming. And the statement he made in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, he said, there's one coming after me. He said, who's? Shoes I'm not even worthy to latch. He said, I'm preaching repentance. He said, but there's one coming after me who's preaching baptism and fire. Amen? And so he said, he's going to baptize you. I'm baptizing you unto repentance. He's baptizing you unto the Holy Ghost and fire. That's what John, John's whole mission in life was to tell the world about Jesus. So then Jesus comes, and Jesus was born to save the world. And Jesus was born to save humanity, to save mankind, to, so that the baptism of the Holy Ghost and fire. Why fire? Because fire sets ablaze everything it touches. This past week, we were in New Mexico, up in Rio Doso. Took my girls up there to see my uh, their grandparents, my parents. And um, about five or six years ago, they had uh, it was called the Big Bear Fire. They had a forest fire, and it burnt thousands of acres up there. And we were driving through the area that uh, that had been burned, and it was incredible, uh, just how long it takes 
for those trees to come back. And my dad told me, he said, he said, they're telling us these, we won't see these trees come back in our lifetime. It'll be past. He said, but what happens is when, when a fire burns like that, uh, the more everything it touches is just kindling, kindling. And every tree it touches, it just fuels the fire. And everything it touches, it fuels it hotter and hotter and hotter. And as, as that fire gets hot in the forest, at the very ground level, it's so hot that the fire, we look at it and say, oh, it's destruction, it's destruction. But at the ground level, it is literally enriching the soil because fire does one thing. It purifies. It cleanses. And so, yeah, we look at it and say, yeah, the fire destroyed all this, all this, these trees and all that. Yes, but when the forest comes back, it's going to be greeter, greener, and it's going to be healthier than it ever was before the fire. And why? So why would John and why would, would, would the baptism of the Holy Spirit be, be associated with fire? Because every person that is set ablaze with the fire of his spirit just fuels it more and more and more. You think about your life when you were baptized with the spirit for the very first time and how, how set ablaze you were and how passionate you were and how incredible you felt. That's what this whole thing is about. That's why John was telling the world, hey, Jesus is coming and he's going to set you ablaze with something that's going to forever change your life. And it's not only going to change your life, but it's going to cleanse you. And it's not only going to cleanse you, but it's going to enrich you and it's going to empower you. And you're going to have new growth in your life. And when, when the fire of his spirit sets ablaze in your life. And John was telling the world, and Jesus came so that the world could be saved. And so John the Baptist was born to tell the world about Jesus. Jesus was born to save the world. The church was born to impact the world. You were born to impact the world. So the question is, again, are you doing what you were born to do? Are you fulfilling? Are you impacting? Are you influencing people with the power and the love and the compassion and the mercy and the grace of Jesus Christ? Are you allowing the spirit that is alive within you to flow out of you and work through you to other people? Are you contagious? Look at somebody and say, are you contagious? Not with the flu. But with the Holy Ghost, tell them, turn to somebody and say, are you, Sarah, are you contagious? Amen. We've got to be contagious. There was a book I saw at Lifeway called Contagious Christians. That's what we've got to be. You know what? Fire is contagious because everything it touches, it affects. It sets ablaze. My daughter, London. If you see her this morning, you'll realize fire is contagious. She felt the effects, effects of fire in New Mexico. She got a little a scab right there on her nose. She got too close to the fire and got burned. <laughs> and so you, 
everything fire touches and the fire of the Holy Spirit is no different. Everything it touches, it consumes. Everything it touches, it sets ablaze. Everything it touches, it cleanses and it enriches and it empowers. Hasn't your life been more enriched since you were baptized in the Holy Spirit? Amen. I know mine has. Mine has been so much more richer uh, in life than, than, than without it. Amen. And so are we doing what we were born to do? Are we impacting our world? Are we having an influence in our world. This idea, this word of influence is, is everywhere. Um, in fact, these large conglomerate companies um, are actually going out and they're searching on social media for what they're calling influencers. People that have a large following on Instagram or a large following on Twitter, or whatever social media site they're using. And these companies like Home Depot and Lowe's and all these do-it-yourself companies and furniture companies and, 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 and personal hygiene companies and all these, peop- all these companies are going out and they're finding people who have a large following on their Instagram site. And they're reaching out to them and they're hiring them and they're paying them and they're sending them all this free stuff. You know why? Because they realize that they are influencing people. And if they're influencing people, why not influence people for my company? It's pretty genius if you think about it. Amen. And so these companies are reaching out and they're hiring these influencers so that when Joe Blow or Jan or Jane gets on Instagram and they look up this person that they're following and they're showing them their home. They're like, oh, yeah, that was bought at Home Depot and that was done here and that was this. And they sent me this. They're like, oh, I got to go try that. You see how influence works? You see, and the church was born to influence the world. Jesus is the same way. He's looking for some influencers. He's looking for some people that will impact, that will be contagious, that will that has the fire of his spirit burning in them. You ever you ever uh, seen somebody that was just passionate about something? We must allow the fire of his spirit to set ablaze in us all over again. We can't. You see the the greatest thing the enemy wants to do in your life is keep you silent if he can keep you silent about the power of the spirit then he can he can reduce your effectiveness and your influence and your impact in people's life if he can strike you with enough fear that you don't say anything and you just go about your way and I'll just go to church and I'll just be a good church goer and you see but see going to church isn't impacting the world that's just good church attendance what Jesus wants is somebody that is set a with the fire of his spirit that will go out and will touch and affect and influence and impact people around them. That's why he spent 40 days in his resurrected body talking and instructing and teaching the disciples. 
He said, I, he said I'm going to come. And after he rose, he, he gathered the 11 because it was 11 at that time. And he gathered them. And for 40 days, those 11 disciples spent with the resurrected Christ. And he taught them. And he instructed them. What was he doing? He was being contagious. He was the, the same power that had just caused him to rise from the grave. He was setting ablaze the hearts and the lives of those disciples. Oh, they followed him, but they followed him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they followed him, but that was before his resurrection. You see, there was something different about this Christ. There was something different about Jesus. You see, he had now defeated death, hell, and the grave. He had defeated sin. He had defeated the enemy. And now there was something alive and there was something burning that could be transferred. It couldn't be transferred until he died and rose again. But now that he was risen, he could transfer that into the disciples and he could, he could send them forth. To set the world ablaze. And that's why he spent 40 days with them, teaching them, instructing them on how to be an influence in the kingdom of heaven. You see, and the church was born in the first part of Acts, the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2. The church was born to impact the world. That's why the, the, that's why uh, all those that were gathered in the upper room were filled with his spirit. Why? That's why the Bible tells us it was like tongues of fire set upon each of them. Why? Because there was something ablaze, and, the, and, and, and God desired to cleanse the world of sin. He desired to cleanse humanity of sin. And the only thing, the greatest power that, that can cleanse is the fire. And so he sent the fire of his spirit to baptize them, to set upon them so they could be cleansed and they could be purified and they could become contagious and everybody they touched. And so when they came out of that upper room, they begin to touch and they begin to influence and they begin to impact the world and people's lives were changed in instance and people were forever altered in their life. Titus. Because you see, well, before I go into Titus, before I go to that, every one of us have an influence in your life. There is somebody in your life that influences you. We all have them. The question is, are you being an impact for him? Are you doing what you have been born to do? You see, the, not only was the church born, but the church was equipped to impact the world by the operation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have something amazing. We have something powerful. We have something that no, no one else has, and, and, and we must tell the world about it. Amen? Titus chapter 2, verse 13 talking about the gospel, says, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. That right there is a summary of the gospel. That's the gospel. He came to give us hope. He came to sacrifice himself, 
to redeem us from lawlessness, to purify us for himself as a possession. Now, verse 15 is our job. Declare these things. He said declare another uh, version of the Bible says speak these things. Declare these things. Exhort. Let there be an exhortation in your life, in your mouth. Let when people talk to you and, 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 and it comes around, if it, if it comes around to talking about Jesus, let there be an exhortation of, about what God has done in your life. He said, and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. You see, there is a key there with all authority. You see, we've got to, we've got to declare this. If I stay silent, what I've been given then becomes only for me. And Jesus Christ died for all of humanity. And he rose for all of humanity. And so I can't keep this to myself. I can't hold this to myself because somewhere there was an individual that walked up to my grandmother my dad's mom, and told her she was going to a little Lutheran church. And it wasn't a spirit-filled Lutheran church. And they said, hey. And somehow, some way, the fire that was ablaze in that person touched my grandmother. And she felt it, and she began to seek God, and she began to seek the fire of his spirit because it was something that she'd never felt before. And she would drag all of her kids, uh, all five kids, to that Lutheran church every day. And every day her prayer was, Lord, fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your spirit. I want to experience what that is because that contagiousness of the fire of the Holy Ghost that was alive in that person that touched her was something that she she desired and sitting in a little wooden pew one day my dad tells the story just two rows from the back because she had some crazy kids and they like to run around and so she would sit in the back so she could make a quick exit and my dad was one of those and his two brothers and sitting there on that wooden pew in that little Lutheran church she lifted her hands and the fire of the Holy Ghost baptized my grandmother in that moment. And it was so hot that the, that little Lutheran church couldn't stand it. And so they asked her to leave because they couldn't quite stand the heat. <laughs> and so they asked her, they said, well, we, we, we don't want any of that here. And so she left and she took her kids with her and she found a church that liked the flame. And she liked the church. She found a church that liked the fire. And she said, okay, I found a church. No matter what the sign on the, on the door said, she said, they liked the fire. And so we're going to go there. And you know what happened? The fire hit my dad. And the fire hit my uncles. And the fire hit my aunts. And, 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 and soon, years later, the fire eventually hit my grandfather, who was a drunk for 30-plus years. And you tell me that the fire can't change people. The fire 
fire cleanses, the fire purifies, the fire delivers. And that's why we can't hold the fire of his spirit to ourselves. We must allow it to flow through us. We must allow ourselves to be contagious so that it can touch everybody that we can. We must impact. We were born to impact the world. Peter and John are a perfect example. Peter and John are in the upper room, and they experience all of this. And Peter gets up, and he preaches in Acts chapter 2. And then Acts chapter 3, Peter and John take a little walk. And they walk over to the temple, and they enter in by the gate called Beautiful. And as they're walking up, this lame man who couldn't get to that spot by himself, he had to have people carry him there. And he's standing there, and he's asking for alms. He's got a little cup, and he's just asking for alms, maybe a little change, maybe for a little lunch, a little dinner. And he's asking, oh, just alms, alms, alms. And he looks on Peter and John, and something arises in him. And he's like, oh, and he looks on Peter and John, and he asks something of them. And then what he was asking was a little change. But in Acts chapter 3, verse 6, what's so incredible is Peter and John, Peter said, you know what? I don't have any money to give you. He said, but what I do have, I freely give you. See, and I thought about this. When I was studying for this series, I almost titled it, What I Have, I Give You, because this is the whole mantra of the church. What we've been given, we must give to others. It's not for us. You know why? Because the world is messed up. The world is sick. The world is, 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 is headed for hell that is not designed for them, and, and everybody's not okay. Everybody's not going to heaven, unfortunately, but that's why Jesus came to save the world. And so we, I can't sit idly by while people pass me on a daily basis and I don't and I'm not moved and I'm not set ablaze with the fire of his spirit to reach out and touch them so that the fire that lives in me will, once, will, will move through them and change them and touch, touch them. We must allow the fire to burn a passion in us to influence the world. And so Peter looked at this guy. He said, man, I know what you're asking for, but that's not really what you want. What you want is what I got in that upper room up there in Jerusalem. He said, that's what you really want because change, a little silver, a little gold may buy you lunch. But what I can give you will change your life. And so he said, what I have, I give. That's got to be our mentality. That's got to be our heartbeat. That what I've been given, I want to give to you. 
I want everyone to feel the peace of God that passes all understanding. I want everyone that I come in contact with to feel the power of his spirit. I want everyone. I cannot allow the enemy to keep me silent. I cannot allow the enemy to shut my mouth. I cannot allow the enemy to strike me with fear and cowardice so I don't say anything And because the enemy knows if I get the courage and the boldness to begin to speak what God has done and to give what God has given me, then I will impact the world for Jesus Christ. And I will then begin to walk in what I was born to do and what he has called me to do, what he has called the church to do. And so the enemy comes in and he strikes fear and, oh, they'll laugh at you. Well, okay, yeah, yeah, they might. But this book tells me that we will be persecuted for his namesake. It doesn't matter if I'm persecuted. I haven't been given this to stay silent. I've been given this so I can tell the world, so that I can impact and I can influence somebody. I was once bound, but I'm not bound anymore. I don't want anybody else to be bound. You see, we've got to allow the Holy Ghost to fall in our life in such a way that it sets us ablaze. Because what can happen is we can be set ablaze and then we've allowed the fire to dwindle. If you've ever went camping and you had a campfire, if, if, if you're not constantly stirring up the fire, if you're not constantly fueling the fire, you know what will happen to that fire? It will go out. And I'm, my concern is that the church, corporate church, not just this church, the corporate church has allowed the fire of the Holy Spirit to go out. And they've allowed the fire of his spirit to dwindle. And they've allowed the fire of his spirit to not be fueled anymore. And it's just burned out. And it's just a flickering flame. And it's not really doing anything. And it's not providing any heat. It's time for the church to reestablish what we were born to do. And that's to allow the fire of his spirit to burn bright and burn powerful in our life so that we can set the world ablaze for Jesus Christ, so that we can impact, so that we can see the captive set free and we can see the hurting healed and the wounded mended and we can see the broken heart come to, come to peace and, and we can see God begin to move and work his miracles and his power in every life possible. We've got to allow, if the fire's not burning in me, it will not set anybody else ablaze. And so the gospel is about salvation, but it carries, the power of the gospel carries two aspects that equip us as the church to carry out and accomplish what we've been born to do, and that is power and authority. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 tells us you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you're going to be witnesses in the whole world. That word power in verse 8 is the Greek word dunamis. Let me show you what, what the word dunamis means. It means strength. 
He said, I'm going to give you the strength to fulfill my purpose. The reason you were born, I'm not just going to create you with a purpose. I'm going to create you and then equip you with a purpose. And he says, I'm going to give you the strength to carry it out. And then, he, and then that word dunamis also means influence. You look throughout scripture, there was man after man after man that had an influence on people around him. And that's what the church is called to do, to influence the world. It means inherent power, power to bring about miracles, the ability or permission given. That's what that word power. He says, I'm going to bring about a transfer. And I'm going to transfer a power into your life when you are filled with the Spirit. And he says, when you are filled with the Spirit... There is going to be a power in you. There is going to be a strength in you. There is going to be an influence in you. There is going to be an inherent ability for you to speak things into existence. And you're going to be able to lay hands on the sick and they be healed. You're going to be able to pray over somebody bound and they're going to be delivered. Why? Not because you have power, but what you have been given. And he says, I'm going to baptize you with power from on high. And that power from on high is going to work through you so that you can change the world around you and you can impact people and you can make a difference in people's life other than just telling them a, a, a little secret. He says, I want you to operate and walk with the power that I have. And that's the power of his spirit. He begins to work in us and it begins to move through us. And one of the attributes of this power is authority. The authority is displayed on many levels in our life. His spirit gives us the authority over any other spirit that comes against our life. I can speak with authority, authority in the spoken word. We can speak authoritatively, and God responds. Why? Because we've been given authority. He has, he has released his authority on your life. It's the, it's the prodigal son. When the prodigal son came back, what did the father do? He gave him a ring, the signet ring. You know what that signet ring represented? The authority of the father's house. The son was willing to sacrifice that authority just to be back in daddy's house. He said, I'll just be a servant. He said, no, 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 no. The father said, no, you're my son. And he said, my son will always operate with the authority of the father's house. And you see, that's what the Holy Spirit does. When the Holy Spirit comes in and he baptizes you with his spirit and fire, there is an authority that happens in your life. And now I am not, uh, I do not have to yield to sin and temptation. I can live above sin. I can live above temptation. I can live greater and higher than anything that comes against me. Why? Because I now have the signet ring on my life. I have the symbol of the Father. I have the Father's name written on my life and I can speak and we sang about it. I can speak the name and the name has authority and everything in, in, in the physical realm and in the spiritual realm has to yield at the authority of the name of Jesus Christ. 
And so when we are baptized with his spirit, we have power and authority, that word authority. Well, first, let me, let me show you Luke chapter 9, verse 1 and 2. What Jesus does here is he gives his disciples a little, a little sneak peek. He said, then he called his 12 disciples together and he gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. That word authority in the Greek is exousia. And it means a governmental power or commandment. The permission to exercise given power. When you are baptized with his spirit, there is a placement of authority in your life. And the devil can come against you with everything he has, but he has no authority in your life. That's what we have to understand. He has no authority over you. He can roar like a roaring lion. He can bark like Goliath. He can look big. He can sound big. He can be big, but he has no authority in your life. And that's why when we speak, we can speak against him. And he has to listen. Why? Because we have been given authority over him. When you are baptized with the Holy Ghost, there is an authority that you now have to command the things in your life. I can speak to a spirit of fear that tries to creep into my home, and I have the authority to cast that thing out of my home. I don't have to live with the spirit of fear. I don't have to lay down at night with the spirit of fear. That's my house, and I do not have to live with that fear. I don't have to live with doubt. I don't have to live with guilt. I, I can choose to, but I don't have to because I've been given authority. I don't have to live bound. I can live free. Why? Because I've been given authority. And if you feel fear coming in your home, you need to take and act upon that authority and step up and say, hey, by the power of the Holy Ghost, I command the fear to leave and I release fear. You know what happens when that happens, when you speak that, that authority that abides in you begins to operate in the spiritual realm. And the enemy, that spirit of fear, begins to bow. You know why? Because he is submitted to one and one only. He is submitted to him. <laughs> and so when... when and, and this is what this is what the church has. This is what the church has been given from the very beginning of the church. This is what we've been born to do. My fear is this: that the church has fallen prey to the fear of offense, and everybody's offended nowadays. And they're offended about a lot of things. And, and I'm not saying offend people on purpose. You know, just don't go around being offensive just because you can. That's not, that's not showing the love and compassion of Christ. 
But this book is what the church is built on. I didn't write it. I can't change it. I have to live on it. And if anything in this book is offensive to anybody else, that's not between me and them. That's between them and God. Because he is the author of this book. If this book offends anything in my life, I have to change my life to align with this book. The church corporately, I fear, has set this aside for popularity and relevance. And as the church sets the book aside, they also allow the fire of the Spirit to dwindle. But that's not what the church was born to do. That's not what you were born to do. Acts chapter 16, verse 16 through 18 says, as talking about the disciples, as we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination. She brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. She followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said, notice this, to the spirit. He didn't speak to the woman. He spoke to the spirit. How dare Paul? What gives him the right to speak to the spirit? I'll tell you what gives him the right. The power of the Spirit gives him the right. Just as it gives you the right. Not only the right, but the power and authority to speak to the spirits of darkness that come into your life. That try to infiltrate your family. That try to infiltrate your kids. That try to influence people around you. You have the right, the power and authority to speak to that spirit. He said, I command you in the name. The name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. We have not been sent without being equipped. The key is we just have to activate the fire within us in order to set the world ablaze with the fire of His Spirit. Won't you stand with me this morning? We talked last week about the hovering of the Holy Ghost, the hovering of the Holy Spirit, that 
with the hovering of his spirit, there is a quickening. And life can spring forth. I believe it's high time for the church. Yes, corporately, the global church. But today we'll just deal with us that are here today. I believe it's time for us to allow the fire of the Spirit to hover today. Because just as in the beginning, in Genesis 1 and 2, said the Spirit of God moved. That word moved means hovered. God spoke, light came. This morning, if we'll just allow the Holy Spirit to hover a little bit in our life, the Lord wants to speak something to life in you. And as he does, there's going to be a rekindling, or maybe for the first time, a baptism of fire in your life. And the fire of the Holy Ghost will set ablaze your life like nothing else. Because such as I have, I give to you. You see, the fire of His Spirit must be stronger than our fear of rejection. The fire of His Spirit must be stronger than the fear of failure. So this morning, if you would, as we step out from where we're standing and come around our altar here as a church family.